Recorded live. The Lord, this is Minister T, and we're going to get started with our Bible study in a few minutes. Um, and we're glad that you're able to join us on the night. If you know somebody else that uh, you'd like to invite to the call, please give them the number, uh, 724-444-7444. And the call ID is 135209. Um, This is the Bridge Network, and we are in our Monday Night Life uh, Applications for Prosperous Living Bible Study. Um, So we're glad that you're able to uh, join us on tonight. Uh, As we are now going into a new series, um, we're going to start talking about spiritual gifts, and um, we are utilizing some material here um, by a um, a Christian author uh, who has been uh, working diligently to create. uh, This is actually a revised version that he's used in several churches. Uh, Also, some of the contributions have come from um, the pastor from Willow Creek. Um, along with the Zandarin uh, Book Publishing Company. So if you are uh, listening to this call and you want to follow along as we're going along, uh, the actual book is called The Network. It is the, it's called uh, A Network Ministry Resources Network. So if you go and look up Network, uh, Bruce Bugby and Don Cousins, um, you will find the revised version uh, on Amazon. Um, actually, there's several uh, places that you can find it. Um, actually, some of them, they have uh, used copies as well. Um, so if you want to follow along, there is a, a participant guide, and then there's also a book called Discover Your Spiritual Gifts, uh, The Network Way. And we actually, on last week, if you listened to the archives or you were online, we actually went through some questions and some things to help us evaluate our spiritual gifts, and we kind of did a spiritual assessment. Um, So this book also helps you uh, to go through assessments for determining your spiritual gifts. And so the assessment ask you questions about experiences, traits, convictions, and observations. And the suggestion is that once going through there and answering these questions, it helps you to get closer to identifying who you are and how you're to operate in the body of Christ uh, via your spiritual gifts. So um, definitely I would suggest um, that as we go through this is that the goal is you will identify your spiritual gifts. I think it's very important to understand what they are. Um, And, for example, it's just like when you're on a job. Uh, You know, when you start a new job, you're excited. You uh, got the new job. And if you're an employee that wants to really contribute to the job, well, the goal would be is to identify what they want you to do. And based upon what they want you to do, they also want to know what your gifts and your talents are because then they can maximize on that. Most successful businesses and the ones that are very lucrative 
really depend on that employee bringing their gift. Now, they give you the layout and they give you the plan, but a good uh, employee will give you some uh, leeway. They'll give you some guidelines, but they'll kind of give you a leeway to actually tap into your gift and bring the best uh, from what you have to offer. And the same thing is with the church, that God has designed, that he has all given us gifts, and those spiritual gifts, um, we're to bring them to the body of Christ. Yes, we have structure. Yes, we have protocol. But in that, uh, as a ministry, we should be able to have uh, openness that we can allow people, one, to discover their gifts, but then also to be able to operate in their gifts. And sometimes we stop people from operating in their gifts because we have set up in our minds how we want to run it instead of really seeking the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to run it. Um, So hopefully through this series, this is what we're going to tap into. And by the end of the series, that you would have identified what that spiritual gift is, but also that how to put that spiritual gift into action. So we're going to get started. And uh, for those of you that do have the materials to follow along with me, great. Again, also, um, if you are listening to this call and you're going through, I would suggest uh, that you pick up uh, the copies of this, um, the participant guide. I believe it's like $8. Um, so for those that are in Chicago, those that are part of the um, the bridge, um, we're actually going to go ahead and see if we can get some of those copies. I think a few of them are used copies where it's like $3. So we're going to go ahead and, um, you know, get those copies for everyone because I think it's important to be able to follow along uh, with this uh, this curriculum and, and really be able to see uh, how God is working. So um, we're going to get started, and um, we're going to uh, start with a word of prayer. Uh, and as we uh, continually go through, I'm actually going to be using a leader guide to really uh, pull from this. So kind of be patient with me as I go through the leader guide because, of course, if you ever use the leader guide, there's all these little boxes, <laughs> and they tell you to do stuff and say stuff. And because we're doing this online, a lot of this material is really designed for a retreat or it's designed uh, to be in person, so it's designed for you to have visuals. So outside of that and being online, I'm going to try to give you some concepts of visuals so that you can follow along with me so that then this is uh, really going to be helpful uh, to us. So we're going to actually get uh, started first with a word of prayer, and then we'll go from there. So let us pray. Lord, we want to invite you right now to speak to us about how we have been created and how you've designed us and also how that you've called us to serve you and then to serve those around us. So on tonight, we pray that the word that you give on to us may be guided and led by the Holy Spirit so that he will lead us in our minds and our hearts so that we can hear what you want us to hear and so we can do what you want us to do. We pray blessings for those that are on the line. We pray, Lord God, blessings for those that will hear this recording that as we go through this this material, we'll recognize our spiritual gifts, and then we'll implement 
those spiritual gifts within your body, within the church, to be a service to others. So we give you all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord again. This is Minister T, and we are on our Monday night Bible class, uh, Bible study, life applications, and this is the Bridge Network. So uh, we're going to jump right in. If this is the first time you're hearing it or you're listening to a recording, we please invite you to check out all our other recordings. We have years of recordings, in fact, on TalkShoe. Um, so you can actually go to www.talkshoe.com. And if you search the Bridge Network or you search Minister T1, you will actually go to our page where we have tons of archives of materials. So in case you miss something or you want to go back or you want to catch another series that we've done, it's right out there for you. So we invite you to do that and invite a friend to also look and listen. Amen. Uh, I believe it will be important in this time in this season. There's going to be a time where we're not going to be able to get to the Word. There will be a time where, you know, others might not be able to have the access and the freedom that uh, we have right now. And so I think it's important then that even what we're doing now, although it might not seem so grander, uh, even what we're doing now with these recordings, I honestly believe, that these recordings will help somebody uh, in that time and in that in that season. So uh, we f- feel that it's not in vain, but it is to God's glory uh, that he's blessing us. So um, as we uh, look at here, we kind of get into this introduction again. I We, we went through um, really kind of identifying some spiritual gifts. We did an assessment. Um, um, so in this material also has an assessment book. So if you actually want to go and do a spiritual assessment to find out what your spiritual gifts are through experience, traits, convictions, and observations, uh, I would invite you to really take the time to do that. Um, Sometimes we are into and we do things in the church or we do things within the body of Christ because we just always do them. Um, And not necessarily that there are spiritual gifts, but we do them because maybe we're just – kind of good at it because we've done it so long, or either because somebody said, oh, I think you can sing, or oh, I think you should be here and there, and, you know, we start out that way. We start out with that guidance. We start out that way, which is fine, but I just really believe that uh, each of us have to go individually and pray and, and, and just pray to the Spirit of God and, and say, where would you have me to be and to show me that gift that you've given me and nobody else? So uh, I think that's very uh, important. Um, so the first chapter and and really what we're going to kind of go through with this first session, at least the beginning part, is really an introduction of what we're going to get from this material. Um, so a lot of this is kind of like things that are helping to you identify what you're going to get from the material. So the first chapter is imagine a church. And that's what I want you to do right now is to imagine a church. And if you imagine imagine just the best and perfect church, what would that church look like? You know, and and this is a personal thing. It's not it's just something you to reflect on that if you imagine the body of Christ, you imagine the church, imagine what God wanted the church to be, what would that look like? What would that church look like? Uh, 
And and in my eye, it would be an awesome church. It would be a loving church. It would be a caring church. It would be a church where no one's getting anybody's way, but everybody is working together, that everybody's using their spiritual gifts, that there's always a kind word, that actually people are moving to a higher level, that whatever gift that you're operating in, there's no jealousy and so forth. You know, so... This study talks about imagine a church because what we're talking about is imagine a church where everybody knew what their spiritual gift was and not only knew it, but also operated in it. Wow. Imagine a church. So that's what we're going to talk about. The most significant journey any of us can take is the one that leads us into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we did a study um, of a few years back where we talked about uh, just having and building a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the most important thing, is having that personal relationship first, is building that personal relationship because as we build a personal relationship, Christ begins to identify and to show us who we really are, not what the world says we are, not by what they used to call us back in the day, but as we build this personal relationship, we begin to have interaction and conversation with Christ, and he begins to reveal to us who we are. So one of our significant things that we need to do in our journey is to really take the time to build that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is the most significant thing that we can do. The second most significant journey leads us to understanding our life calling and the purpose and our purpose in the kingdom of God. So not only building a relationship, which is our first thing, the second thing should be then significant to us is that our journey should give us an understanding of our life calling and the purpose in the kingdom of God. It, you know, it's good to be able to have a personal relationship, but then Christ has called us to, to to be there for our fellow man, which means that if that is our calling and that is our direction, then that means we need to understand what the calling is so we're not operating in the wrong place at the wrong time, and then we need to understand the purpose of the calling. You know, it's hard to have a, a calling or to have uh, 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 have uh, somebody else's vision and you don't understand what the vision is because you don't know where you fit in. So it's important then to understand your life calling and a purpose and your purpose in the kingdom of God. So this is what this network discovery sessions are all about. It's designed to help you do that. And so um, in this in this series, they, they actually have a, a DVD to kind of help you understand uh, first steps and, and understanding imagine a church. Um, but there's a conversation that, ha- that you know, uh, happens after this DVD, and I actually found an article that may help us guide in the conversation. So we're going to be a little interactive with this where, you know, we're going to kind of take a break and hear comments and then kind of jump back in. So, uh, what I want to do is actually read an article. It's just an article. It's not necessarily a personal opinion of mine. Uh, it is a, a good and an interesting article. But the purpose of the article uh, in replacement of the DVD is to really uh, ask a few questions about uh, the church and how we see the church uh, today. And um, so we're going to really kind of uh, jump into that 
as we begin to imagine a church. So, um, you know, the book talks about getting in the, in groups, but since we're on the line, we're going to use this opportunity to kind of like open up uh, in conversation to really discuss uh, whatever we observe and any kind of insights that we have. So I'm going to read this article, and what I want you to think about as I'm reading this article is uh, thinking about what other ways are there to to have church? You know, is is having church just one singular way? Or are there other ways, another way to do church? And the other thought is, is how can you then help other people to understand that there are other ways to do church? And so this article kind of talks about this person's just personal insight about the 21st century church. Uh, I believe the, the article was written a couple of years ago, so it will be somewhat dated uh, with some of the observations. But I think it's important, and at the end of the article, it actually kind of brings out some points that I think are that are really good. Um, so, again, um, the article is called The 21st Century Church. It's called, and the subtopic is A Call to a New Kind of Church. Church for a New Culture. That's a subtopic. And the, the author is Eddie uh, Williams. He actually wrote uh, this article for the Christian Post. So I'm going to read through the article, and then we're going to just have a bit of conversation. Um, so the article states, it says, we've all seen the recent developments in our day that just don't align with the way things used to be. The statistics used to be that more than half of our country consisted of followers of Christ. There used to be a time when we could speak freely uh, and could freely speak about prayer, Jesus, or sin without much criticism or debate. Even before the 70s, 80s, and the 90s, the Christians seemed to be the majority uh, mega churches and national days of prayer and parachurch organizations, they all led the way. But now we've seen a radical shift in that culture. The United States lived up to the monarch of the last Christian nation back then, but now we can see we're seeing a great shift into something increasingly more unchristian. And he states, the state of the culture in its rapid shift. In this century, church is dying. Less people are going to church now than ever before. More importantly, less people understand and agree with the foundations of Scripture and who Jesus is. Young people especially have completely abandoned traditional biblical principles in favor of new tolerable cultures, and these new cultures is pluralistic, they're therapeutic in one way of saying that it doesn't matter how it is, as long as it's tolerated and accepted, then there's only one exception. John Dickerson writes in his book, The Great Evangelical Recession, that culture is shifting faster than it has ever been. If we look back at the 70s, the 80s, and even the early 2000s, we see, we will see the most rapid culture shifts our nation has ever seen. 
In the last 15 to 20 years, culture has shifted more than it had in the previous 100 years. Simply looking at the occurrences of our day can help us prove this point. And again, this is a dated article. Last year, for the first time ever, we had a presidential election without an evangelical Christian as a candidate. At President Obama's most recent inauguration, evangelical Christians lacked a representation for the first time in the nation's history. 25 years ago, it is hard to imagine we would see a full-fledged acceptance of things like abortion, homosexuality, as we do today. Television shows like Glee and The New Normal are promoting homosexuality. Entire networks like MTV have dedicated their programming to miserable celebrations of sin with shows like 16 and Pregnant, The Gay Code, and Jersey Shore. And the most obvious occurrences of all the suppressions of Christians who speak in opposition to any of the above. Christians is downright hated in today's culture. Before I venture into the 21st century church and how we can better reach today's young people, I need to profess with something. Many older people reading this perhaps have something around them called the church bubble. Many were raised in church, served in church, all their friends were part of the church, and all the activities they do were church-related. These people have few, if any, non-Christian friends. They only read Christian media and watch Christian-friendly programming. So when they read the idea that culture is changing, they inevitably disagree. They have no clue what it means that things are changing, and to them. We are still a strong Christian nation. As John Dickerson writes in his book, you don't have to talk, work, or study outside evangelical evangelical circles long to realize that we, Christians, are not possibly that much of the United States population in the 21st century. I encourage everyone in the church bubble to step outside and look around you. For those that spout of bloated statistics like 75% of the country is Christian or at least 50% of the nation is evangelical, I would challenge them to reconsider. Do you really believe that if we ask 10 people to come forward in a grocery store in Los Angeles or New York, that seven out of eight of them would say they are Bible-believing Christians? If we were asked to if we if we were to ask a few sub questions like is Jesus the only way to heaven is there a hell can you be a good person without Jesus or go to heaven or does your sexual orientation matter to God do you really think that even 5 out of 10 people would still align with Christianity we must look at the sobering facts of reality since I've worked in the ministry a little while, I hear the calls of some to continue to continue pressing on with what we have been doing the last 30 years, particularly with young people. Many suggest being more and more relational. So what happened to abandoned teachings of the cross in favor of more worship, games, and one-on-one hangouts? Multiple retreats, secular games, and vague 
vanilla teachings of Jesus or tactics of old. They perhaps worked on the majority of the youth in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. When most churches spoke the hard truth of gospel, these methods were great ways to show the youth that they could relax about Jesus, be informal, and not get hardcore every second of the day. But this dynamic even has shifted. The majority of the churches have adopted this soft form of church, the vanilla plain Jesus message coupled with the omission of calling people to repentance has entered our churches in the name of making church non-Christian friendly. Unfortunately, everything in the culture is giving us this plain, relaxed, no-pressure way of doing things. Additionally, the culture treats children like adults more than they have already. Flick on the Disney Channel and MTV see that too. We still want to get 17-year-old boys to stuff marshmallows in their mouths and play board games instead of dealing with their sexual sins and their call to manhood. Unfortunately, kids kids kids, kids aren't kids anymore. But as the result, they are far more receptive to direct teaching. We cannot assume that the youth of the 70s and 80s are the same as the youth of 2013. We are different, and they need a different style of church to fit their different personas. And if you don't agree, just look at the numbers of youth walking away from church and never coming back, uh, coming back to, to your church. Joshua McDowell and even secular researchers say that in UCLA that they've recognized that youth walk away from church and never come back. All these researchers agree that somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 to 80 percent, there are young youth leaving the church never to return. So today, people lack the knowledge of the Bible. Many have no clue what the Bible says about key issues. They have they have been fed this watered-down Christianity for so long, they don't know who Jesus is and what the gospel really says. For example, the number of evangelicals who recently affirmed the coming out of the closet of Jason Collins, the NBA player, or the number of Christians who are undecided about a real hell or not, or if Jesus really said he was God. Here are a few components we need to need going forward to assimilate the 21st century church. The first thing is to preach the word. The art of sharing the true gospel has been lost in our day. We must hold fast to the teachings of the scripture, call people to repentance of sin and faith in Jesus. For our youth, this method is extremely effective. I recently worked over a young adults group. I changed nothing except I opened the Bible and preached the word of God. I told them that God doesn't like the sins they commit and desires more of them. Be to be reconciled to him through Jesus Christ do the death of the cross. Bang. All that happened is that they went home and they came back the next week with more people. 
The group has grown to tenfold, all because God's word changes people's lives. And if we back down from preaching it because we're afraid of what people think, then we are in sin. God wants his word preached. Number two, contextualize our churches. The Apostle Paul said that we should become all things to all people so that we may save some. First Corinthians, First Corinthians 9. We must do this for this new generation. Older, godly people should be humble and assimilate their church to what helps people get saved. Our process and method of church is secondary to people meeting Jesus. I once heard a man by the name of Ed Stetlinger say, I am convinced that some churches want to die holding on to their method of church while the range around them is going to hell. We must alter our church to fit the 21st century. That means, that does not mean the word of God changes one bit but that we need to become more technically sound, get a better website, use social media, and get more modern decor than we should do for the sake of the gospel. Number three, make disciples. We need to quit feeding and tending the same sheep for 20 years and instead make that sheep a co-laborer and a disciple that can go serve the lost. Non-Christians are out there waiting. We often let our ministry turn in itself. It's time to turn our ministries outward and be instruments of Jesus in his saving work to those outside our church. Number four, let's pretend the Holy Spirit has a say. We have... We have, we have forgotten that God sends the Holy Spirit to save. We are not the salvation police. So why do we soften the message of Jesus to make it easier to swallow? Don't you remember that the God of the universe is greater than any culture or any strong spirit? I think it's time we pretend Jesus is in charge. And we do as he asks to boldly proclaim the gospel in his name. We have to share the gospel for, we have shared the gospel for for too long. Sharing it worked at a season, but we must return to proclaiming the gospel. The new church must present to the loss is nothing spectacular or crazy. What is radical, what is now is called a radical comeback to the gospel of Christ. We must boldly share our faith in a way that we can understand the lost and that the under-lost can understand Christ. And we must not be afraid of the consequences. The criticisms of Christianity is as harsh as it's ever been. But let's hold fast to the teachings of Jesus and let the Holy Spirit do his work. So this is an article from Eddie Williams. He's a Christian, he's a father, he's a public speaker. He also leads a ministry called Reach, and he leads a ministry where he works with young adults in his church.
And so from this article, and the reason I read this article is so that it, it leads us into a concept of what what do we see in the church right now, uh, how do we feel what we see, then how do we discover our gifts to be able to implement them in a different kind of way in the 21st century. And I thought this article was good. It, it wasn't saying that we should change anything as it relates to the gospel of Christ. And, in fact, we need to be even bolder with it. And so I want to kind of open it up uh, just for your comments as it relates to, again, thinking, is there another way to do church? And what potentially are those ways to do church? And what really needs to change, especially when we talk about our young people in the next generation, and how can our spiritual gifts be used in that matter to change the trajectory of where the church is? So I'm going to open it up for conversation uh, and discussion about the article and any of your thoughts. Hi there, Minister T. Minister Valerie, how are you this evening? Okay. Okay, great. Well, listen, that was an awful lot, so I hope my note-taking was pretty good. So, first off, I think your question was, uh, are there other ways or what other ways are there to have church? Mm-hmm. That was the first question? Okay. Um, well, I, I would say that um, we actually have church wherever, we're, wherever we are, um, be it if we any work that we do, um, any gatherings that we have uh, with one, a person other than ourselves, because, again, when there's two or more gathered, um, I believe that 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 is church, and take those opportunity um, to um, uh, preach the, the, the gospel. And as, as uh, it said, too, as you mentioned what Paul had said, we have to be everything to everybody. So it's about um, identifying a need. Um, <laughs> In response to some of the things um, that you referenced in his article, um, I would say that a, a lot of the the issues, if you will, that you see with today's churches in this culture is that, um, and he touched on it when he talked about, um, uh, and I'm just going to paraphrase, but it talks about um, when we're uh, preaching or teaching the gospel and, and the churches nowadays, so many are so quick to tweak it so that it's palatable to that hearer because they want to, that feel-good message. So these messages go forth without um, emphasizing that there is a responsibility from each one of us and that no matter what we do, that there are consequences for our actions. So it's not that we can continue to... to uh, do things and call ourselves Christians, there has to be a noticeable change in everything that we do. Um, I also think that um, the church as it is today, um, I'd say on a whole, has gotten away from, um, I'd say what the churches were in the old. It was sort of like the social service agency. So again, it's, it's um, a place it's there for, for everyone. So a church within a community is identifying the needs of those people in that community so you're able to address um, um, those needs. So be it food or clothing or they just need spiritual guidance and counseling. So those things should be available uh, in the churches. Um, again, and when we're talking about the younger people, and I think a lot of it that's um, the reason they're going away from the church 
uh, not as involved as they once were is because it has a lot to do with the adults. You have so many adults now who are living secret lives, and so then they cannot be trusted. Uh, you have children, and every day we see it. It's in the news. It's in the papers. Uh, within our churches, within the schools, to where these children, uh, we're entrusting our children to the care of other adults, and they're being subjected to this, these very sick, if you will, their sick ways of living, and children come away, they're molested and all this. So the very people that we're entrusting to care for our children in our absences, um, they cannot be trusted. They demonstrate that there's something other than what they appear to be. And unfortunately, it's happening uh, within the families as well. So it's a matter of uh, starting, I guess, with each individual family. We have to get back to being committed to uh, teaching what, what is in the Bible, teaching God's word. And just as it, as it says, and we know this, God's going to send the Holy Spirit to give us the clarity and, and the ability to be able to teach someone uh, what they need to know. Amen. Amen. I, I totally agree, um, you know, with your thoughts and everything. I, I really like the article uh, in some aspects of him saying, you know, um, we're concerned that the the youth will run away if we give the solid facts and the truth. And, he, you know, he's saying that's what they want to hear. They don't want to hear a watered-down message, you know. They want to hear what the word of the Lord says um, so that then the Holy Spirit can convict. Uh, and the Holy Spirit will then guide them and lead them. And for us not to be concerned about, you know, oh, we shouldn't say this or that because it's going to hurt somebody's feelings, but we should just stick to the Word of God. And I think that was really what he was talking about is that not to, you know, to not get a, go start watering things down and preaching these messages of, you know, uh, big cars and big houses and all that and really get to the point especially with our youth, and really displaying that this is a sin and God is not happy, you know, and here's where it's at. It's undeniable, and I think that's the message uh, as far as how do we do church differently. It really starts with, and I think this lesson talks about starting with identifying who we are and recognizing that the gift that God has given us is how we do church differently and being able to apply that. Right, and that we're here to help other people. And I think nowadays it's like everybody in this me, me, me society, and it's all about the individuals, about them feeling good, doing everything just to make themselves happy when it's up to us to help someone else. And yeah. I think that's a lot of that is missing today. Yeah, totally. Amen. Um, so in our study, if there's no more comments, uh, as we look at um, the page uh, 19, uh, really, again, explaining uh, how this book works. And for our further discussion, we're going to see um, a way of doing church better by how God shows us what he's designed for us to be and do. And that this study will then help us to better understand that design and also understand the role that we have in it. Uh, and the first idea is for us to understand that you know, the goal of this study lesson is to help us to be fruitful and to be fulfilled uh, in a meaningful place of service, that we are in a place um, so that we understand what the words of service and serve are. Uh, 
to really be at a place where we uh, see how God has called us to serve. Um, And in scriptures, Galatians 5 and 13 says, you, my brothers, were called to be free. Uh, And I think that's important that anytime we're in, uh, in church or we're in a ministry where we feel trapped or we feel that we're forced to be or do something, we have to then question, you know, why that is. We sh- we are called to be free. In fact, we're called to be free in ministry. We're called to be free in Christ. And so we should not be uh, felt like we're locked into something. And so the scripture says, but do not use your freedom to indulge in sinful nature. And so he's saying that although you're free, let's not take advantage. Uh, not, let's not do things that are out of the realm of the word of God but rather to serve one another in love. So recognizing that whatever gift that we have and whatever thing that God has called us to do, that we don't use it in the wrong way and that we use what he's given us so that we can then serve other people in love and recognizing the gift that he's given is to uh, edify the church and also then to glorify God. So it says that serving then is not optional. It's a matter of, and the word is obedience. That it's un, it, it's it, it, you must be clear in understanding that when you serve uh, in the body of Christ, that it's not optional, um, because even we understand that within the body that there are all different kind of parts, there are all different kind of functions, and they all must function, but also they all must function together. Um, And to know that if one part of the body is not functioning or is inhabited in some kind of way, it causes then issues within the body of Christ and and within the body, period. Uh, and we see that even in the body of Christ, there are so many things, like Minister, you just mentioned, there's so many dysfunctional things just happening within the body of Christ um, that there are problems and things that need to be addressed. And then also to understand that, you know, even with serving, if everybody really realized that service unto God is not optional, our churches would be full. Our ministries would be active, and it would be flowing. Why? Because everybody would recognize that that my contributions and whatever God has called me to do is important, and I can't sit on it. But I have to serve, and I have to serve others. And if we had, when I asked that question about a perfect church, when you think, not a perfect church, but imagine church, and imagine what church really should be, even to the point that church is not the building, church is within you. So imagine your service being so thorough that you serve inside and you serve outside the building. And so if we really recognize that serving is not optional, but it is a matter of obedience, it will really change our thinking and our understanding. uh, This study is really designed to help us better understand who God has made us to be, And also, when you make your unique contribution, you make a kingdom difference for eternity. Imagine, you know, and I've been in in a place in, in situations that after I help somebody, I feel great. 
I felt so good. You know, even if they never said thank you or said anything, just knowing that whatever was inside of me, whatever God had placed inside of me that I was able to deposit into somebody else, not even seeing the reaction or not even receiving a thank you or anything like that, but knowing inside that I did what I was supposed to do. And that is where we should have a better understanding that when we give of ourselves and we give whatever uniqueness that we have, that we're contributing to making a kingdom difference for eternity. Why? Because that word we said, that thing that we helped in doing helped to build the body and to build the kingdom of God to make a difference in somebody else's life. It could be an entire family. It could be an entire nation. But whatever it is that we understand that serving is not optional, but it is a matter of obedience. So we must know that we should serve. And most of us want to serve, but a lot of us are not sure where and how we can best serve. And that's what this study really talks about, helping us to understand who God has made us to be and then helping us to understand that our unique contributions really make a kingdom difference. Now, on page 20, uh, as we look at page 20, we really identify how how we can do that. Now, you'll see, uh, if you have the study lesson, you'll see that on page 20, there's a whole bunch of puzzle pieces uh, on this this page. And so the idea is if we were actually face-to-face, we probably have puzzle pieces, some filled with a bag, a small bag, and some filled with a, a bigger bag. But since you have the pictures, I just need you to imagine. So imagine a bag of puzzle pieces that represents you, okay? So it could be the small one or it could be the large one. And so just for this time, let's say you get a piece of truth every time you go to worship service or you go to a small group or you participate in a in a seminar. And it's another piece of the puzzle of God's will and purpose of your life. So now remember you got this bag, and every time you get a, a message or or get a word from God or you participate in the semi- seminar, you get a puzzle piece. So now as you hold this bag, maybe it's a small bag of puzzle pieces, now you say and you now you ask, what is the picture God is putting together for my life? So now you're getting puzzle pieces. They're kind of scattered. They're all over the place. And every time you're going, you're getting a piece, but you're not really understanding what it is that God's calling you to do. God is putting together this picture for you. And you might want to say, well, I don't know what God is doing and I need more pieces. So as time passes along, the pieces in your bag increase. So you're getting all the pieces, and, and we do this. We go to church, we get the word, we go to study lessons, all that, and we get little pieces. And we get all these pieces, and we think, oh, I need more pieces. I need to go to more conferences. I need to do that before I can really find out where I'm supposed to do, where I'm supposed to be, before I can really get active. I need this. I need that. And so as time passes by, we get all these pieces. So now we got a big bag full of puzzle pieces. And often we think having more pieces will help us give us the picture. But perhaps more pieces is not the answer. 
Maybe we just need to begin putting the pieces together that we already have. When you put a jigsaw puzzle together, what do you do? You start by getting all the colors, sides, faced up. So that means it's not the back of the pieces, it's the front of the pieces, wherever the picture is. So you start facing all of those up. You pour them out your bag and you face them all up. And then you look for pieces with straight edges. So you may start out, especially with the corners. So you start looking for all the pieces that have straight edges, all the pieces that have corners. So you begin putting together what? A frame, putting together a frame. And once the frame is done, you have the context in which to put all of the other pieces together. So you begin to put these pieces together. Well, this study is designed to take those pieces that you already have and put them into a framework that helps you to see the picture God intended for your life. And, of course, it won't complete your puzzle, but it will give you framework you need to understand your life calling and the purpose so your serving will be more fruitful and more fulfilled. So as you look at this th- that page of the puzzle pieces, that's what we'll be doing as we go to this study. So we're going to take all of the things that we learn from this book. We're also going to take all the things that you already have. Imagine all of the things that you already have, all the pieces that you already have. But yet you may still be questioning where should I be and what should I be doing and how should I serve. Imagine then beginning to take everything that you have, begin to build the framework around it, and start to fill in those pieces. So hopefully this network process is going to be able to help you to do that. So our goal is then to do that in steps, and it's called the network process. Now, they give an illustration, and and if you can kind of visualize this, if you've ever saw a shape ball, um, Tupperware makes them sometimes. They use them for little kids. And so it's this round little ball. Um, it's usually plastic. It has different colors. It may be yellow on one side, blue on the other side. But there's these shapes that are cut out of it. So one may be a shape of a triangle, one's a circle, one's an octagon. There are different kind of shapes that have been cut out. And then... There are these other shapes that are actually designed to then fit into those holes. Um, so imagine a shape ball, and imagine what we will do with this network process is to begin to take what we have and see how our spiritual gift then works within the body of Christ and fits into whatever shape uh, is designed for us. So the first step is discovery. Step one is discovery, and it's that process and that course that we begin to learn more about God given us, our God-given servant profile. And that the assessment kind of helped us to understand what that profile looks like. When we're able to identify our servant profile, be able to identify our shape and how our shape fits into the body of Christ, we will then look at then very closely how we're placed into 
the body and how we're placed into what God has called us to be. So as we go through this, there are actually six sessions that we'll go through so that we can begin to see our servant profile and how we fit into that. Um, the other lessons we'll talk about, lesson two is going to talk about the purpose of the gifts. Lesson three is going to talk about the discovery of the gifts. Uh, there's also been an assessment that we can take. Lesson four, we'll talk about exploring servitude, uh, servitude the power of love. And then we'll look at the value of personality. And then we'll take a personal uh, style assessment. And then the lesson five, we'll talk more about the influence of passion. Uh, and then in lesson six, we'll talk about the promise of ministry. So as we're going through these lessons, all of these lessons are helping us to build our servant profile so that we recognize where we are. So the first thing and the first step in understanding where we're going is that we're going to go through a process of discovery. Then step two, which is what they call coaching. And so the next step is for a coach or your teacher or uh, someone to direct you in finding a meaningful place of service according to whatever service profile that is. And so as we do this even on, on the phone, we're going to coach each other and start to be able to assess and to help each other to discover the places we should be in the places that we should serve in the ministry. Again, we're looking at our ball and we're seeing where our pieces fit into place. And this is pretty much the second step in helping us work through where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do and how there are ministry needs and opportunities that we're a good fit for. Then the last step is service. The last step is service. And the goal is to do meaningful service. So not only do we know where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be, but we should then put into action the thing that we're supposed to do. Service is the faithful and fruitful experiences you have when you serve in a ministry that best matches who God designed you to be. So the goal of this study is to be able uh, is not just discovery and it's not just coaching, but the ultimate goal is meaningful service. That after we go through all of these sessions and these lessons, that we begin to put into action that meaningful service because now we'll know where we fit into. So why do we serve anyway? Well, it's twofold. It's a biblical uh, purpose for serving. We do it to, one, glorify God, and then the other is to edify others. And there are two scriptures and two passages that really reinforce the twofold purpose. And you'll see those in your study, that the first one is the Ten Commandments that we'll see in Exodus 20 through 7. And the first commandments, it states that uh, we don't have other gods, we don't worship idols, and we don't take God's name in vain and to remember the Sabbath day. So as we look at that, we recognize that the first uh, commandments really talk about how we worship and honor God and what we're supposed to do with God. So that's the first thing is to glorify God. Then the second thing is for us to begin to focus and to focus our hearts on God's commandment. And the focus then of these four is God. And we have 
we and how we are to love him. So in that focus, with the first four, we glorify God, we focus on God. But here are the others. The others say to one, to five, to honor parents, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, false witness, and don't covet. So now as we look at the other six, the focus of these six is others and how we are to love them. So why do we serve? We serve, one, to glorify God, and we also serve to edify others. And we see that straight from the commandments in which he is written. And that is then the framework. When we talked about those puzzle pieces, that is the framework. These are our edges. That when we look at it and we begin to put where we fit in and we talk about the framework, these are, this is the framework. To one, to glorify God, and then to two, two, to edify others. That's part of our puzzle. That's part of our picture because now we begin to say, what spiritual gifts and what things that I have that I can glorify God? How can I glorify God? And then we also look and say, how can I then edify and build others up? So as we begin to do that and we begin to look at that, we begin to put together the pieces of where we fit in. The second thing is the great commandment. And in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40, familiar scripture that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. If you'll notice that even in this great commandment or what they call the great commission, it is the Ten Commandments because it talks about what you should do first, that you should glorify God, but then also it talks about loving your neighbor as yourself, and that means how then do you edify others through the body, through the word of God. And in the Old Testament, we then see the Bible's twofold emphasis here, to love or glorify God, to love and edify others. So as we begin to go through this study and begin to understand our serving then glorifies God because it's a form of worship. In Romans 12 and 1 it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your spiritual act of worship. And then in 1 Peter 4 and 11 it says, Whoever speaks, whosoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterance of God. So whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that all things God so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever. Amen. Our serving builds up and edifies others. Ephesians four, eleven through twelve it says, It was he who gave some apostles some prophets, some evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare and equip God's people for work and service so that the body of Christ may be built up to edify. So our major test of service is when we serve, uh, when we serve, does it glorify God or does it edify others? Amen. So as we talked on tonight, again, this was kind of building the profile of what we're going to be going through through this lesson and through the network. Um, 
and really talking about understanding why we're doing this. One, as we see, we're building a frame on how to love and glorify God and how to edify and love others through that framework, identifying what our gifts are and how we can contribute to building the body of Christ. Are there any comments before we end the call? Uh, Yes, just uh, Minister Eunice, good evening to both of you. I was listening <clears throat> to both of you and Minister Gary's comments that I do come touching and agreeing. And as you were getting to <clears throat> end the lesson about the framework and, and the total uh, responsibility as we as Christians, I began to reflect back on you saying what was the issues of today's church. And as you said, we all have. God gives us all that framework or gives us the puzzle pieces. And I, I think what has happened over the course of, of time is uh, the traditional role of a church has been uh, pretty much eliminated. Uh, and I think it's part of it, the reason is because we've lost, uh, as you said, the puzzle pieces. I think we've lost some of the pieces that have actually connected us. To, in other words, that framework is it's what we're built on, that structure that God has established in each and every one of us. And I think the church has uh, fallen into a place of, of, of where people don't really have a concern for because there are no longer role models or there are no longer examples to follow in order for us to, to, to be able to serve God. Uh, in other words, God gave us those laws. He gave us commandments to follow. And when we think about it, even, even as we were discussing those Ten Commandments, it's unfortunately that we as a body of Christ, and not only the body of Christ, but this, we as the children of God have all fallen into one, two, maybe three or four of those Ten Commandments that we're no longer following. We uh, came up um, under the tradition of, of serving God. We came up under uh, a place of, of holiness, a place of servitude, where now that's, that's actually been lost. And so we no longer have role models. It's like everybody's going for whatever they can. And so we're losing our young people because they're looking at us like uh, there is no example. There are no puzzle pieces to to, 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 to mark. There's no, uh, there's no one to give us the guidance. So we in the world now just fall into anything and everything. And so no one uh, uh, has fear anymore of how God is, is using us and so we can't serve him because we don't know, we, we've lost that whole picture of, of serving. We, we don't know what serving is. We, we're pretty much serving the world and no longer serving him. So when we fall out of those those, those commandments, of the, the guidelines, the rules that he's given us as the body of Christ, there is no, uh, there is no role as a church anymore. And so I believe that the issues of the church is because uh, of, of the people in the church and the people in the church that were set up as the, the guide or, or the, the people that you would uh, not necessarily emulate but would, would give you the, 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 the guidance and the direction on which way to go is lost. No one seems to care anymore. And so we've gotten to the place where our young people have no one to lead or guide them or, or direct them. And, and as you said, one of the ways to have church is to be a living example, but if we're not being the living example of what the church looks like, you need a model, you need a blueprint of what to follow. And if you don't have that, what else could happen but the church begin to fall apart? So I thank you that you uh, decide to do this lesson, that even 
uh, when we're beginning it, you know, it, it says it always starts at home, so it always starts in the person that we are. So I just thank God that we uh, have tapped into this unless they would even increase in us the ability to be able to continue to lead and to guide, knowing that we're moving it into, that we are in the 21st century church, but that we are now in a place where it is of an urgency that we are equipping ourselves to be able to be that living example, to, to be that role model, to teach our children which way to go. Uh, as Minister Lowry said, we're losing our children by the growth because we no longer have parents. We have uh, parents that want to be friends, and so we've lose, lost that whole concept of what family is and what God has established as family. So I just, uh, uh, I'm just excited about the lesson that's going to go forth that it would even, uh, uh, I can use it even uh, in my family uh, that I can continue to be a role model, knowing sometimes, as you said, we do get a lot of puzzle pieces. We do put the the, the, the edges around first, and then we try to pretty much put the picture in. And sometimes once the picture is complete, we still look at it and say it's a wonderful picture, but not necessarily uh work in the picture. So I just thank God for just this uh time. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um and, and definitely I, I totally agree with both of you um as as we begin to move forward in ministry. And I think it's important even uh understanding the background of of this uh uh Bruce who put this together. He he really designed this this material to help other uh, churches to build themselves up so that they can be able to identify their gifts individually and collectively so that it empowers the church as a whole. And I think it's important as we go through as the bridge, because that's what we're doing, is that we're working as individual ministries, but collectively. So I think it's important that each of us, even each of us as leaders, identify what our strengths and our weaknesses are within our own uh, ministries and with our own selves to identify what our spiritual gifts are so that then we can collectively put those pieces together and to begin to put together a picture of where the Holy Spirit is leading the bridge and leading us in a direction that not only just grabs just a certain group of people, but it is an international grab, that it grabs any and everybody because we are then using our gifts to glorify and edify God. And we're not afraid to speak the Bible and to speak the word, to be able to declare what he's he's laid out in the commandments, and that is to be obedient and uh, to know that service is not an option uh, and it's not optional, but it is through our obedience that then we're able to be used by him so that somebody else can be blessed. Amen. So I'm glad that we were able to get through this. As we continue on, um, we uh, kind of stopped at page uh, 25. So now we're we'll, we're going to jump in next week on uh, how we're to serve. And so we're going to talk about some different things about how we're to serve as relates to spiritual gifts, personal style, and ministry passions. And so we're going to start to really get into now that we have the framework, that we know that our gifts is used to edify and to help others, now we're going to start to put all those pieces together. And, in fact, there are some of the pieces that you have had for years 
there's some pieces that you've had for years because you've been in the Word of God, you've been studying, you've been uh, teaching, you've been preaching, and there are pieces that you have that are very important to putting together the picture that's going to not only put it together the picture of where God wants you to be, but also put together the picture of how it is to work in the ministry. So, uh, again, I'm excited. We're going to close out in prayer, uh, and uh, then we'll move forward, uh, you know, and prepare for next week. God, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth, and we thank you for the word that has gone forth. We thank you, Lord God, for the comments that have made and and just being able to analyze and to think and to process where you would have us to be in this. We pray that as you continually lead us in the spirit, in the Holy Spirit, that you would lead us into a direction that would empower our lives empower the ministries that you've individually given us, and also empower the bridge that you've placed us in that we may work together to edify the body and to glorify you. So we give you all the praise, glory, and honor. We pray, Lord God, blessings for each and every household under the sound of my voice. We pray, Lord God, healing and deliverance, and most of all, Lord God, we pray for peace. We pray, Lord God, that they walk in their freedom and serving you, and we pray, Lord God, that you would bless them in every single place of blessing, financially, spiritually, Lord God, mentally, physically, that you just, Lord God, issue forth the blessings right now by the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we declare and decree that it is done, and we thank you for this week. We thank you for these next 90 days these days of prosperity, these days of overflow, and not just financially, but we prosper in spirit, we prosper in mind, we prosper in our spiritual gifts, and that we began to transform and to be renewed by our minds in these next 90 days that we see miraculous works that happen within us, what happen within our ministries, and what happen within our families, that we see miraculous works that happen in these next 90 days. Lord God, we want to glorify and just give you all the praise. We thank you for this time of fellowship. We thank you for this time of learning. Now, Lord God, the seed that has been planted on tonight, we pray, Lord God, that you would grow it up inside of us, that we now may use it to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you so much. Look forward to you next week. Mm-hmm.